Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. This is Brian Nella, joined today by Guy Corten. Brian, how are you? Excellent. So we're coming fresh off of the NRF show, National Retail Federation, here in New York. I think the number said they drew about 35,000 attendees this year. Impressive. Sounds pretty impressive, but it was quite packed, uh, I'd say. So in and out of the the booths and, 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 and sessions, there was one theme, one topic that really was covered and, and you heard about it everywhere, was the idea of reinventing the store experience. You know, and you know the event started off, you had a keynote, Vitamin Shop, their CEO is up on stage and he's explaining how they transformed their business from just selling powders and pills to being a kind of a trusted advisor for health and wellness, right? And, you know, how did they do that? Well, there was a, a handful of different moves. So basically it was a decision to transform and, and to change kind of their, their model. But one of the big parts of, of this transformation was the in-store, right? They remodeled their stores. There's an aromatherapy section now. There's a sports drink sampling section. In the middle, he refers to it as a community area or community bar, but that's where there's seats for one-on-one engagements, for group seminars, for discussions, and kind of what's what's tasked with pulling all of this together is what he refers to as health and wellness enthusiasts. So these are more than just salespeople. These are their staff members that are engaged in health and fitness and eating right themselves so that when someone comes into the store, they're engaged and they're actually delivering a new type of experience. They're delivering insights. And that's kind of how they've envisioned reworking, reinventing themselves around the customer. Another great example was GameStop. These guys have, I think, four or five million rewards members worldwide. And these rewards members are engaged with constantly through surveys, through emails, in-store. There's different promotions. And they engage with these guys and glean data, different forms of data. You know, what are their likes or dislikes? What are their shopping habits? They execute campaigns and promotions. You know, I know you already have these three games. Why don't you come trade them in and pick up a new gift for the holidays at this discount? But the gist of it was, as their president's talking through it, we utilize this data to find out where our customers want to go and then to transform our business. So how did this play out? You know, they realized that their customers didn't just want to buy Pokemon games and the next uh, Lego Batman game, but they wanted specific merchandise like Game of Thrones shot glasses and uh, Star Trek pizza cutters. And so they took this advice and you know, it went out and actually created entirely new stores with no video games and just the merchandise. So here you have an example where all these stores are closing down. Here's a retailer expanding, opening up more. And the results, you know, 61% growth in the last year. They're expected to hit a billion dollars through those specific stores by the year 2019, I believe it was. So huge growth, huge opportunity through transformation, utilizing data, getting closer to customers. So how I guess the question to you, Guy, you know, as you're there, you're speaking to everyone and, and gleaning insights, you know, this burning urgency to transform or die, how real is that? You know, is it is it being overemphasized? Are we overhyping it? Or is, is there really this urgency on the way? You know, Brian, I think you made some great points. You're absolutely right. I think I, I would I might argue that we're actually maybe underemphasizing 
the need to change and the urgency. I think there's a lot of retailers out there that are unfortunately sort of using the ostrich technique, right? So they're sticking their heads in the sand and saying, well, if I don't see it, it's not happening. So I'll be okay. And I think the reality of it is that is just a recipe for disaster. And I think what your points are well made. I think you look at companies like the Vitamin Shop and others and, and GameStop, you know, how they're transforming their physical presence and how they're leveraging, as you said, access to data and access to customer information to change their mindset and figure out how to provide different services, how to leverage their real estate and different methods. You know, I always make the joke that CVS and Walgreens and such have what I, and I'm using air quotes here. I know you can't see it, but they're using, you know, loyalty programs to collect all this data. But what are they really doing with it? Is it just basically a piece of plastic on my keychain that I swipe every time? You know, I use the example of, you know, I used to buy certain products from, from my ex-wife when I was married at CVS and they kept promoting it to me, even though I no longer bought them. And, you know, not that they would know this, thankfully, but that I was divorced, but it's, you know, just because I bought something six, seven, eight, nine years ago, why am I going to buy it again today? Things change. So I think it's, it's, you look at companies like Vitamin Shop and all that who are using this information to make better decisions, to change the experience. I think to your point, you know, this velocity of change, the need to adapt or die, right? And not to be too ivory tower, but you look at, you know, you, you go back to sort of survival of the fittest, right? It, it's what Darwin said, but it's not so much survival of the fittest. It's, it's survival of the species that can adapt the quickest to the changing environment that survives. So I think the physical brick and mortar retail has to take this to heart and to figure out what are the experiences, what are the changes I need to make to maintain my margin, to maintain my customer, potentially to go into new spaces. How do I lean on the data that's available to me and my network to make those decisions and to be able to see them through. And I think that's where we started to see a lot of rumblings on the floor of NRF this year was a lot of that discussion around, you know, asking the right questions. So it's not just, there's plenty of data. Yes, there's too much data. It's ask the right questions, right? So if like, again, I'm more harping on this, but if we take like a vitamin shop, it's ask the question of what does my customer really need? Or what does my customer want from me? Or what what makes my customer take? Is it is it just being able to buy supplements? Or is it part of being in a health and wellness club or an environment or in a society? And what are the tools that you need to make that accessible and happy, right? I'll give you an example. I live in Boston. There's, a, there's an Adidas store in Boston on, I think it's on Commonwealth Ave. Don't quote me on that. But it's one of their flagship stores. It's a beautiful venue. It's Adidas, right? It's Adidas trademark. They're selling Adidas shoes. When you walk in, it's an experience. It's a museum, right? They have all this paraphernalia, all this history of the Boston Marathon. It's in Boston. They have a model of the marathon course, right? They have a treadmill where you can run the marathon course and see it on TV as if you were there. What they also have is they have lockers. They have locker room in the back where if you're out of town or if you're someone who just wants to rent Adidas gear, you can go there rent the Adidas product, whether it's shoes or shorts or what have you, and go for a run, right? They have running clubs there and all that. Oh, and by the way, yes, they have shelves with allocations of sneakers and shorts and sweatshirts to buy. But it's that whole notion of experience because they figured out that, hey, my customer here, this is what they want. They want that experience. So I think absolutely, you know, it's, it's about the data. It's about taking it. It's about asking the right questions. And it's about figuring out what is it that my customer wants from me to make him or her happy and to buy more. Right. And if you think about what's kind of the 800 pound gorilla in the room, you know, it's always Amazon, right? How do I compete with Amazon? And 
this is one way to, to do it, right? Instead of trying to play their game, which you, you're not going to win at, it's to play your game. And I guess that's that's in store. That's where I have the advantage, right? And the, that's where I can, like you said, bring my customers in and give them a, an experience yep. that they can't necessarily get elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, where you mentioned Amazon. It's interesting. They're they're opening stores, right? They've opened a bookstore. They're opening groceries. You know, they're doing some pop-up stores you're starting to see in malls now. So Amazon themselves have recognized that, oh my goodness, like we need to have a physical presence in these locations because it's not just about going on our phone or on our laptop or our desktop or our tablet to buy something. Now that is obviously going to be an integral part of it. It always will be. But now there's an opportunity to capture physical interaction with customers. So I think we'll see that. And it's interesting you mentioned that too, Brian. It's sort of a side note, you know, something I just read in the Wall Street Journal recently about malls using their store space differently, right? For pop-up stores, fulfillment centers, and all that. And I think sort of tying that back into NRF, one of the things I heard a lot or heard enough of during NRF was people starting to question, you know, what is the future of the mall? So it's not just the future of the physical brick and mortar store, but it's what's the future of this big honking entity we call shopping malls. And I think it's something to keep an eye on. I think it's something that, you know, as you see malls sort of transform themselves. So if we take standalone stores, brick and mortars, you know, within the category, you have standalone stores and you have malls. I think it's an interesting play because you think about malls that usually have big distribution center type capacity, right? Because they have loading docks. They're usually by major thoroughfares, right? They're not stuck in the middle of some podunk location. They're usually centrally located to attract a mass audience because that's where they're built for. So what happens if you start doing more pop-up stores? What have you start doing more pop-up fulfillment centers within the mall? We already see things like healthcare and other service type orientations being moved in there. So I think that's another area to look for. And I think it's something I heard on the Florida NRS, sort of something to keep an eye on for 2017. That's great. Excellent. Guy, thank you for your time. As always, a pleasure. This is Brian Nella signing off for Supply Chain Radio. 